0: Alright, hello and welcome Just a Family. This is giving you something to talk about, or Just a Live
1: TV as I like to call it. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator, and founder of not only Just a Live TV, but also the Women Supporting Women Can Network. Today, we are talking about special needs families. This is one that I'm super excited to get into, to talk about all the different ways, um, all the struggles, all the love, all the... The mental health of everybody involved when you do have a family that has a member or members with special needs we're going to be getting into that today sponsored today our sponsor is a phoenix identity if you're desperate to feel like yourself again if you want to start putting yourself first even when you have children with special needs go and check out their three-month package it is all about reconnecting to who you are putting yourself first um, and getting rid of the life crisis of not knowing who you are. So go and check that out. Use coupon code 911 to get 25% off um, the life crisis. So go check that out. All right. Today, we're going to have Marianne Hughes with us. So Marianne, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Yes. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Melissa. It's a pleasure to be here. And I love your introduction and the sponsor, because that's kind of what I want to talk about today is our identity And how maybe we lose that over time and how to reclaim that. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm happy to talk about that today, as well as, you know, the questions that come up in our conversation about uh, this challenge of special needs. Absolutely. And anybody watching or catching the
1: replay, we always check our messages after. So if you want to get involved while we're live, if you want to get involved after we're live, please feel free to do so like follow and share the show. And if you want to be a guest, you're always more than welcome to reach out. So, um, Talking about identity, and, and this is something that I stress in my own business, is that everything that we go through, there are certain situations, and they're everyday situations. They're not everyday situations, but, you know, the progression of life, right? We're, as women, as, as men, we're supposed to grow up, get a job, get married, have kids, and that's supposed to be our, the rest of our lives, Right when we get married, let's say, uh, or even work, because most of us work before we get married, um, not all, so no judgment or anything there, but if you do the normal progression, you get a job when you're in your teens, you start working, your life becomes your career and your identity gets a ding or a hit, right? When you create that, that career because you have to put everything you are into that career then you get the relationship right and when we get into that relationship instead of just being Melissa I'm now Tom's wife right on top of being Melissa and we're taught that we have to give our partner male or female all of our all of our what we are and then we have kids and then it's our life becomes all about the kids now during that progression our identity takes a hit right? Our identity is what society is teaching us that our identity needs to become wife and mother. Our identity needs to become father and provider. And when we're putting our kids first, our relationships aren't being put on the burner at all. We're not, we're not even paying attention to our relationships because we're paying attention to our children. When we're paying attention to our relationships, we're not paying attention to our work, when we're paying attention to our work, we're not paying attention to all of that. There's a healthy balance, but we lose ourselves in the things that we're supposed to be doing. And that leads to divorce. That leads to um, a lack of identity, not knowing who you are. How many women or men do you know of who you know, come out of a long-term marriage and they're like, who am I now, right? Or when you retire, who am I now? When you're kids, you become an empty nester. Who am I now? That is what we that's what we're dealing with. And that's one of the main basis of what I do is because we shouldn't have that, right? We should constantly be knowing now, add on to that having children with special needs that takes up a considerable amount of time of effort of love, of focus, where our identity is not in place, our relationship is not in place, and nobody's being heard, because it's all about
0: kids I, I agree with everything you just said and that's how i went to you know growing up i was growing up my vision for my life was that i'd go to school go to college have a job get married have kids and live happily ever after and so for a while that's the life i was living and that was something i was happy with and then um things happened um I did a successful career and I met a great guy and we had kids. Well, my two kids as wonderful as they are, were diagnosed with autism. They're two years apart. And so my oldest got diagnosed with two and then my younger one when he was two. So here I was, um, and you have to kind of shift your dreams and change your, your reality at that point in time because it's not what you ever planned for in life, but that's what you have and you make the best of it. And so. My identity then had to shift to being a special needs mom. So my, my full-time focus was then taking care of my kids, making sure they had everything they needed, advocating for them, doing whatever I could to make sure that they were given and did everything they could to have the best possible future. Yeah. Well, that, like you said, takes a toll on you. And so other areas of my life suffered. My self-care, um, my... Um, marriage, I guess, to, to, you know, bring it, you know, bring it home is that after 21 years of marriage, I end up getting divorced. And it wasn't something I ever expected, never saw on the horizon. But because of, um, you know, all the stresses and everything that went on, and maybe part of it was my focus on my kids, which I had to do and gladly did. Um, but other areas suffered, including myself and taking care of myself. And so I learned that the hard way. And so when I was faced with divorce, I had to kind of reevaluate. what led me to this point and you know what can i do in the future so that uh, my kids and i have a good outcome in the future and so i realized by that by not taking care of myself and not having the self-care that i deserve to give myself um, you know i suffered i special needs moms and parents we do everything we can for our kids um, and not do enough for ourselves thinking either we don't have the time or we're not important enough or whatever it may be and so um, I learned that, that you've got to set boundaries for yourself in terms of what's acceptable and what's not. And part of that is making a self-care a priority. Okay. Um, I also learned that, um, so I had um, stop working so be, when I had my kids then to take care of them. And luckily my husband at the time, you know, had a job where we could do that. So I became, you know, full-time stay-at-home mom advocate for my kids Um, which worked well until it didn't right and so then I had to figure out you know well how can I go out there and earn money again because that was a big part of my like I said our our past identity and I had to figure out how to make that something to focus on in the future and then um, really you know and taking care not just of our physical being but also everything else related to that our mind body soul all that I had not taken care of myself in so many ways and I realized that that was missing and so As part of my divorce process, I had to look at that, and and I made it my mission then to do the best I could for my family, and that started with taking care of me, so I couldn't take care of them if I wasn't in the mental or physical place where I needed to be, and I had to work real hard in my divorce to advocate for my kids, and if I didn't have the right mindset, I wasn't going to be able to get there, and so I made that my mission to get the best result for my kids and for myself. Um, in the process. there's a lot involved with kids with disabilities and making sure things are done correctly for the future to protect them for the future and kind of look at what, what their needs would be. And so um, that was that was my mission. And so long story short, it was a long process, but I did end up with a really good result, but I decided that other families shouldn't have to go through the trouble that I did to get that result. And so um, I decided to form my own company at that point, having been out of the workplace for so long and not really having the luxury of being able to have a full-time job because of my needs still even though my kids were getting older they still needed me there and I can't like take a full-time job and not be there for them so I formed a company and became um, a coach and became spent you know all my time the last two years working on myself and working on my business so that I can provide the best life for my kids and that's um you know when you when you you know set goals and look at identity you know you got to look at your why what's important to you and why do you want to do it and it comes down to really making sure that my kids have what they need in the future and yeah. so um that that's kind of my driving force
1: absolutely and you know whether your child is born with a disability or or special needs or whether it's later in life or at 2 or at you know 8 or 9 in our case um, that becomes a focal point. So going back to what I originally said about when we, when we start adding things, the career, the relationship, the kids, we start just piling that stuff on. We don't compartmentalize, and, and not in an unhealthy way, but compartmentalize, say, okay, I need to make sure that I'm focusing on this, this, and this. Um, but when a diagnosis comes, it's very shocking. Um, even if you know it's coming, it's still shocking when it comes. Um, but then you're also thinking, okay, now when you get a diagnosis, no matter what it is, there's research involved. It's it's adjusting your entire life, your relationship, your, you know, your physical capabilities, your mental capabilities, all of that you have to now adjust to this new diagnosis, right? So in my case, it was diabetes for my for my daughter. And it was, okay, we have to look at what we're eating. We have to count, you know, carbs on everything, make sure that the insulin's good and the sugars are good. And going through this entire process, it became very overwhelming and it became our life for, for a short period of time. Now I'm a little bit different, so it didn't last very long with me because I did make sure that we were putting ourselves first um, and our, and our priorities and your priorities change. It's not, you know, even if you have a child with a disability or special needs, yes, while you do have to put an exorbitant amount of energy and time and focus on your children, there are ways that you can put yourself as a priority. There are times there, you know, even if it's five minutes, even if it's, you know, uh, doing the 15 second breathing technique, even if it's, you know, having a meal as a family and making sure everybody's included in that, right. Or, you know, sitting and snuggling and watching TV or whatever it is that you do as a family. And then your husband and you or your partner and you're in the background are having like this quiet little discussion of how was your day? You know, I, and making sure that all those little pieces fit together. In a in a free-flowing puzzle, right? Um, and that's what life is. It's a free-flowing puzzle. and our identity is al- always changing, but that doesn't mean we can't change with it, right? And and our circumstances change. We remain the same. Our circumstances are what change. And so it's it's building all of that in together in a healthy way. Now, um, your situation, you know, is, is understandable. And that it's quite common for it to, to end in that way, or even result in that way, because society hasn't taught us to put ourselves first. It hasn't taught us to to do those priorities. And it's devastating. Now, with your process, what do you think the biggest thing was for you to help you kind of reconnect to yourself?
0: Yeah, I think really realizing that that taking the back seat wasn't working, uh, you know, for me or for my family. Um, By putting myself last and there were so many, like you said, so many demands, you know, you're researching, you're doing so many things for your kids that then um, by choice, I guess, I end up putting my needs last. I did everything else for my kids, for my husband at the time, and didn't make time for my own party. So that's, that was a big lesson but also I think finding support. I think I I maybe didn't um, seek out enough support in terms of bringing other people in to help me um, when I should have or could have, because either whether it was my kids' behaviors or thinking nobody else could handle them like I could or it'd be too overwhelming for them, I was afraid to do that for a while. My parents helped um, when they were younger, but then became too much for them. And so as a result, Um, You know, I didn't make time for myself. Whether you know, whether you're married or not, you need time for yourself to enjoy time, you know, with your friends, for a hobby, for a passion, whatever it might be. And so, I ended up realizing I didn't have that. Um, And so um, now I make more of an effort to get people to offload me, to come in to help me. As a single mom, um, we used to be two people doing you know this job, and now you know I can't do it all still. So I recognize that. I recognize my limitations and what my kids need. And so. You know, I found that we're all happier when I can find maybe sitters to come in or find respite services or other things, other resources that are out there that can, you know, guide me or guide my kids in terms of having a, a good results and some other, you know, outlets of things to do. So yes, I think a lot of people try to do too much for themselves, by themselves. And so definitely it takes a village. Um, you know, I never really fully appreciated that till I had, you know, kids and had these needs. But yeah, there's people out there who are willing to help, you know, either for free or sometimes for a fee. But, you know, I, I think it's an um, investment that's definitely worth it if you can um, can manage that. Yeah.
1: Otherwise, there are other things you can do. There are support groups, like you said. There are online support groups now. There are, you know, I know that uh, TV is horrible, but <laughs> if it's possible, stick the kids in front of the TV and take five minutes. Right. And just go sit and breathe or sit on the deck or whatever it is that you can do to make time to just be yourself. Um, So I wanted to touch on perspectives of family members. It is, you know, whether you're a parent, whether you're a sibling, whether you're a family member, it is, there are a lot of different perspectives to being a part of a family with special needs right there are you know and no two people are going to experience that life the same way um uh, a husband a wife or you know a, a couple I should say a couple may not experience that situation the same way they may experience it differently one might need one thing one might need another thing and I think that For couples, most importantly, communication is going to be the number one saving grace in your marriage, as well as in your family dynamic, is being able to communicate what you need, how you're feeling in a healthy, um, capable way where people are actually listening, right? That doesn't mean they have to do what you, you say, but you know, even just being validated and heard that, hey, this isn't working for me. I'm really struggling. How can we do something about this? Right. Or how can you help me to change this? Right. Um, So that's for parents, for siblings. Right. Um, And it's sad to say, but we still live in a society of bullies. And so when you have one sibling that has special needs and one sibling that isn't, there is the bullying. There is the, you know, the jabs and the making fun of, and, you know, the, the stress, I, I guess, if I was to put myself in a, in a position as to be a sibling of somebody with special needs, now siblings love each other. It's, you know, instinctual, they love each other, but there is the potential for a lot of resentment and a lot of hatred and a lot of overwhelm being the, and I'm gonna put this in quotations, the normal one of the two, right? And that's, I'm not saying that's right, but that does tend to happen quite often is where one sibling who isn't special needs feels a lot of the overwhelm, a lot of the pressure of being the one who can achieve different things, of who can, you know, help out more, right? I remember my oldest son, um, I'm a smoker, right? So I'd be like, can you watch your sister while I go for a cigarette? And if I did that too often, it, it overwhelmed him. Right. And it, it made him feel like that's all I was using him for in a way. Right. So there's a lot of pressure and overwhelm and, and a lot of even just emotional and mental health that surrounds being a sibling of somebody with special needs.
0: Um, yeah. 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 Cause when, you know, what I've heard in my situation is a little bit different with my kids. Cause I've got one who's higher functioning and the other one is not. So he's kind of, he's kind of gets, he's both sides, right? He has his own challenges, but yet he's also um, given a lot of responsibility or takes it on upon himself sometimes, like you said, um, to help out. And so I think it's important um, for those kids to um, have special time with their with their parents. A lot of times they may think or feel that, um, you know, mom or dad is spending all their time, all their free time working, you know, helping with the other child, taking the therapy, working with them at home, whatever it may be. And they may feel, they're neglected. And, you know, that's not intended. That's not what parents want to do, but the reality is sometimes that does end up, you know, happening or seeming that way, at least to the, to the child. So yeah, I would suggest, you know, as, as much as you can, maybe take special time, special day, special activities, just for that child. And again, communication.
1: right Right. having how are you feeling you know is there anything that you need from me or you know um are you feeling under pressure is you know just having that healthy communication um the other one that I wanted to mention is other family members right we're not just talking about um specifically people in the home we're talking about grandparents we're talking about uncles and aunts and cousins and everybody is going to you know there's a lot of awkward feelings right if you don't live in the same household as one of your family members who has special needs when you come in or they come over it's like what do i do how do i talk to them how do i you know there's a lot of questions that abound there of what can i do to help do i need to help should i stay away right and a lot of the times um and and it's it's not done out of spite or out of anger But a lot of the times people will back away from the family because it's, because they don't know what to do because they don't, they don't feel comfortable asking. They don't know how to do that or, and it just becomes a, it's easier to just distance themselves. Right.
0: Right. And that feeds into the cycle of that parent feeling more and more alone and isolated, you know, not having the support that they need, that they could, like I said, either ask for, or maybe, you know, teach them them how to provide support or let them know what they need. So it comes out of communication like you said. But one thing that we did talk about is denial. And that's a big um, sadly something that is prevalent as well, even even within the family unit and maybe other family members as well. It's like, oh maybe that's not that bad. Oh, he's not really, you know, so and so or this so and so you've got to to deal with those kind of issues too because if you're not getting, you know, the reason we might get support is because they're not truly understanding what the needs are, the challenges are, and how to best help you and the the child.
1: Nope, absolutely. And for anybody watching, if you have a family member who has a child or even is special needs, communication is key, but the communication, you know, be open to being honest, right? Now, let me ask you, and let's give you a scenario, right? So let's say you have, you know, a brother or sister, and the brother or sister feels really awkward. Um, let's say you phone your brother or sister, excuse me, you phone your bl- brother or sister and say, hey, you know, I'm, I have this last minute appointment. I need to do it. I'd prefer to do it alone. Can you please watch so-and-so while I'm gone? Um, and I think now say the brother or sister turns around and in, in their head, they're going, Or even I'm just going to express what maybe they want to express is I don't feel comfortable being alone with them. Can I come with you instead or, you know, giving that the the alternate options, right? So if if you're a family member and you have to be open to the honesty on both ends of that, right, and the communication now there are people who will feel uncomfortable of being alone with them, right? And being responsible for them. One, maybe they don't want stuff to happen. So don't take offense when somebody says, I don't want to watch your kid or, you know, I'm, I don't want to be alone with them. It's not an affront to your child. It's more of a, it's a lack of comfort, a lack of knowledge on how to do that. How, you know, like um, I know with certain um, special needs, there is a lot of, you know, there could become aggression, there could become very, you know, like a fit, right, and how do you control those, right, if you're not used to the child, because every child is different, how do you know how to control those, so going with and entertaining the child, but still having you as a backup, if absolutely needed, that might be a better option, right, and so it's finding different ways to ask for help, or being open to people saying, I'm not comfortable doing that, but could we possibly do it this way, and that, again, open communication, it's
0: so important
1: in families.
0: Sure, for sure. I totally agree with that. But also, I guess that brings up another important point is have people that you do feel comfortable with and who also feel comfortable taking care of that child. So it may not be relative. So maybe that's not your go-to. Maybe yeah. they can come, like I said, at events and help you know, in ways that they can and are willing to do. But, but sometimes you do have to go to your own doctor's appointment. Sometimes you can't bring your kids. And so it's real important to have a, roster so to speak of people that you can call on that are that are qualified prepared and available maybe your one go-to may not be available so definitely have at least one or two backups um, to do that they're hard to find but yeah
1: or again with those people if they're not comfortable have them come over and see what you do right have them go out with you and see what you do and teach them right because when I send my oldest daughter out, and again, she's type 1 diabetic. She's 13, so it's a lot easier. She monitors a lot of it and does a lot of it on her own. But at the same time, I have to phone people. She can eat whatever she wants as long as she doses herself. That You have to wait a certain time frame. And so I give them a quick five-minute rundown and say, she's got it, but just make sure that she's not, you know, in your head going, oh i can eat whenever i want because that's not allowed right she can eat whatever just not whenever and so that's a huge thing so being you know teaching people this and and still having the freedom and you know the friendships and the family that can actually come and help you know maybe it's just un- understanding that they don't know how right so devil's advocate right i'm always like there's always different ways that you can do it without feelings or without feeling like you're alone and i think for everybody every family member or every friendship that that involves um, somebody with special needs it's again communication just healthy communication without emotions without you know overwhelmed say hey you know like what do you need and how can i do this with my own boundaries in place right because we do all have those boundaries and that was one of the points you were going to make as a, as a mom of special needs is boundaries,
0: <laughs> right? Right. In terms of what you allow to happen to you and what you allow, you know, for your for your family. And so, yeah, I, I think um, some people don't realize that's an issue until they're actually faced with it. But you know, learning to say no, learning to um, say this is not acceptable or finding other ways to do it or even boundaries in terms of finding people to help and uh, other things. So there's also so many things that come into play. And so one thing that, that, that I thought about as you mentioned about all the things that we know to do for our child that other people don't do that. We can train them, which is a great point. Sometimes the other parent may not see all the things that we do or know how to do the things because maybe they're not there during the times that we're taking care of the kids or even one thing that kind of came to mind is a little bit morbid, but, but sometimes people recommend doing a letter of intent. If something does happen to you, God forbid, you know, you want to let people know what is it that your child needs and how, how would you take care of your child if something did happen to you, whether it's for another immediate family member or some other guardian that would come in to play. Because like you said, you're full of this knowledge, but people don't know and it's, it's um, imperative that you kind of share that, train the people around you now, so that um, you know, whether you have to go to the store or something else, that they can, you know, step in your shoes at least for a little while.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, even creating a checklist or different things, right? Like if this happens, do this, or if this happens, do that. And you know what, once you do it, you know, it's just updating it as you go, right? It might take time the first time you do it, but again, just having a checklist of hey you know if they go to the bathroom remind them to wash their hands or go and help them wash their hands or you know you don't have to stay in the bathroom you stay right outside the door right and just making it more comfortable not only for yourself but your child and the people that are going to be watching them right because again not every child is the same and not every child will need the same things i know going to i so my daughter with a type 1 diabetic, we have what, what are called DERCA clinics, um, and it's clinics for, for people with diabetes. And so I flat out told the clinic uh, about five months ago, they called me and they're like, we haven't seen you in a couple of years. And I'm like, yeah, because I refuse to come there. They're like, why? And I said, because I don't like coming there. I said, every time I get on the phone with you guys, because during COVID, we did a lot of the uh, um, online appointments, uh, phone, phone appointments. And they're like, well, we need to see you. And I said, I don't want to see you though. Every time I talk to you, you're telling me to do things that you don't know my daughter. You don't know what she needs or what she's doing or why, why she's in this progression. Um, So we had issues with my daughter. Um, Again, when I say she can eat wherever, whatever she wants, she just can't eat whenever. Well, she would eat in between snacks, which is not okay. And she wouldn't give herself insulin for it. So her sugars would be exceptionally high, which are dangerous. Um, And then it was just this whole thing. And they're like, well, you need to get that under control. And I'm like, well, I'm trying um, and I've asked for help and nothing. Right. So there's a lot of every child is unique and every child is different. I don't think it is fair, nor should it be um allowed for medical professionals friends family any of that to lump a child in based on their diagnosis when they are unique individuals they have their own identity they could have the same symptoms the same diagnosis the same everything as somebody else but it affects them differently because their identity is different right and so that's a huge thing for advocating for your children right and that when you are a special needs or or a parent of a child with disabilities, you are their advocate. You are the one, nobody, and this is the horrible part. (laughs) Very few people respect children's words. Very few people will respect the words, opinions, and perspectives of a child. And so it falls on the adult. And you have to become That adult, you have to become the gatekeeper. You have to become the voice, the reason, the stability for that child in every situation. And sometimes that is exceptionally
0: overwhelming. It is for sure. I mean, definitely. I, you know, I'm there all the time advocating, and whichever stage they're in, and whatever level they're at. But one important thing I've tried to do over the years is try to teach for the one who can, might one of them. difficult for him to, but one who's higher functioning to advocate for himself, to learn the skills because, you know, he, you know, I'm happy to help him, but, you know, say he goes to his dad's or he sees somebody else, or I'm not with him. He needs to know how to advocate for himself, ask for what he needs. And like you say, it goes back to communicating. And so, you know, we lead by example and, and, you know, I try to teach him by, by my actions. And so he knows that mom, um, you know, the new mom is is one who's going to you know do whatever it takes to get things done. And what was the phrase he used earlier today? Um, yeah, something about you know, mommy's not never going to give up, and she's always going to do what it takes. And so that's that's the um, the values and ideals I'm trying to instill in him. Is like something is not working the first time he gets be frustrated if something doesn't go his way the first time. Like no, this is a learning process. We learn by our failures. We learn by doing and things aren't always easy and sometimes we have to ask for help and sometimes we have to you know, ask for other resources but the point is to be able to eventually do things and learn things along the way so that we can do them by ourselves for ourselves if, if they're able to if they have the ability. So that's something that I do even today I had to um, you know, call the school for something which no one else did, right? And so I took it upon myself on behalf of all these people to take this extra step and advocate, not just for me, not just for my children, but for the wider community. And so I think it's really important for people to learn that they have to advocate and teach those skills of advocacy to their children as well.
1: Yep. Um, I had a experience with my youngest. So my youngest is allergic to the cold. Um, Diagnosed, actual allergy. It's like a peanut allergy, but to the cold. Um, and so she goes to school and during the winter, uh, we have horrible trouble over the winter with her being sick or um she isn't allowed to go outside when it is when it's a certain temperature or, or a certain wind speed. Um, so she went to school last year and uh I get this phone call, and I can't remember what the phone call was or the exact situation. So I'm kind of pairing paraphrasing the entire experience but she was told to go outside and I believe that it was lunch hour and she had a substitute and she was told to go outside and she said no I can't I'm allergic to the cold her classmates even said she's allergic to the cold she stays inside but the teacher didn't look at the book Didn't look to confirm. Didn't ask anybody to confirm, and still sent her outside. And so I got the phone call, and um, yeah, it was this whole thing. Now I remember (laughs) it was this whole thing. And I said, you know what? I'm not. I'm not exceptionally angry with the teacher for this for the situation. I said, but if you have a substitute coming in, they need to be doing their research on the children. She didn't even confirm right and that's that was my biggest thing if you don't know and you don't believe the child you should still check up on it right you should still confirm with somebody who maybe knows the child or knows the situation check your notebook because they have notebooks in each class of what happens and um it was just they didn't listen to her And that made me really angry is that there was no follow-up. And I had to advocate for that. And I went into the school and I said, listen, I'm angry. I said, you put my daughter at risk because you allowed somebody to come in who had no idea to confirm what she was saying. I don't care whether she's young. If she says, and, and that was around the time that we started teaching her to advocate for herself. If she goes to school and she gets sent outside, which is fine, right? We're we're starting to get her to the point where she can say you know it's too cold for me outside she can go outside if she feels cold she goes back in giving her that ability and so um now we talked to her teacher this year because we just started back at school and I said if she tells you she's cold she comes in there's no question about it and it's it is that advocating right and but not everybody thinks about that most people right now in society will go based on their idea their beliefs and their expression
0: right because the, the, i guess the lesson there too is, is she has to know that her words have value right yeah. if you don't want to teach people to advocate and then see that's not having an effect so for sure i'm glad that she stood up for herself and as mama bear you go in and advocate as well so yeah definitely yeah I, I say, i'm sure in canada it's probably hard to do to to avoid the cold but uh Yes, it isn't
1: easy no mm -mm. but we did it and we do it and we were you know as she gets older her restrictions will lessen because she has her own voice right and like last year if it was a certain if it was a certain degree or like if it was cold to a certain point or if the wind was too strong she didn't go outside there was no she didn't get the option she just didn't go outside This year, we're planning on allowing her to have that choice herself, right? Um, And and do what she feels comfortable
0: doing. Right, right. And so one thing I see too with kids and also with the parents is that they have so much um, anxiety and depression and just overwhelmed with everything that's going on in their lives. And so I would say, you know, if you can, if they can, you know, find um, you know someone to help them with that as well. So it's not just the parents helping out, but you've got to find professionals. Sometimes you can Google can help there as well, because I think you know, that's, that's that's one of the most common things I see. You know, in all the Facebook groups I'm in, is that people do get overwhelmed. Like I can't take it another day. Like you, you know, we had a conversation earlier. It's you know, just sometimes just so much in one day. And granted, not every day is the hardest day, and some days are better than others. Um, but, you know, when you need help, you know, seek out the help. And then people, I think, get overwhelmed with what's going to happen to their child in the future, you know, if they're not able to take care of them or if they're gone. And so, you know, start thinking about those things, start making plans. And so, um, you know, you know, as a special needs parent saying is, you know, they want to live one day more than their child is. Well, that's, you know, that's not reality. So start, you know, finding things to help your child or find other options for your child as they get out of school, whatever the next steps may be, and granted that is very stressful and challenging to do, to find the right fit and right um, placement for your child or right people to help, um, you know, whether it's family members or whatever it might be. But like you said, it's a matter of tra- training, finding the right fit, finding, you know, where is your child going to learn and thrive and be taken care of, so that you don't have the stress every day. It's like, oh, what's going to happen, you know, to my child.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that is a very valid fear, right? Because we are supposed to pass before our children, right? So making sure that they they either have that independence or know that their capabilities with their independence, um, even if they do or don't, having those things set up where if something happened to me, where are they going to live? What are who are they going to be with? Right? Is there a group home or something along those lines or an assisted living community for special needs adults who no longer have their parents around right or or their support networks and I think just from my own thought process is doing that sooner rather than later right and having them build a connection or a relationship with that facility or and I say facility as assisted living right where it's their own community and and they have the freedom but um getting to know what it's like going there what it's like being there you know what are the people like what are the activities like and you know even somebody who old age right not even special needs but old age right getting them used to hey you know like let's think about this place let's go check it out let's go have lunch there or getting people prepared so that we're just not ripping them from one and putting them in another, right? And I think that even goes hand in hand with, with that preparedness. And we don't know when our exp- exp- expiration date is, right? So the sooner we start building that community and being um, introduced to the possibility of that, the better, right? And and it sounds sad, but again, it is, you want to make sure that that is all planned.
0: Right, it don't have to be, you know, when you're gone, it could be, you know, now, you know, when you're living and healthy, you know, to try to find, you know, supports. And even with people who, have, you know, like your daughter, who, you know, maybe not have as many needs, but let her know, you know, who, you know, she can go to for help. And maybe like in case of my son, maybe, you know, mental health professionals or job coaches or whatever might be able to be helpful in the future, you know, try to get them already connected or knowing um, what resources are out there. So when they do need them, it'll offload you as a parent to be able to have to do everything. Um, because, you know, now, you know, my, you know, kids have learned skills and are trying to learn more skills. And so, yeah, that offloads some of my responsibility. I mean, granted, I've got to be there, you know, walked over. But, you know, now I've got one son who helps with the dishes and my other son wants to put the Pot in the dishwasher. That's his job and don't take that away from him. So, you know, it's nice to be able to you know, step by step. And it may not be huge steps, but at least something to work towards their independence to offload you as a parent and not have to do every single little thing. That's yeah, your, and each saying. of them will have different
1: skills that they're good at. I I not jokingly, because I, I'm actually questioning it. But um, the other day, I made a comment to my husband. And I said, I don't know whether I have mild form of autism or Asperger's, but I'm a mental health genius. And y- people who have autism or Asperger's have a genius specialty. And whether that's electronics, whether uh, one of my girlfriend's children, um, Asperger's and, and autism and he would take apart electronics and know exactly how to put them back together, fix them, everything, right? And I I flat I'm owning that, right? I literally the last week I've been owning the fact that I am a mental health and emotional health expert. I'm mindset, it's it's just the way it is, right? And it's finding those skill sets in our children or in children or adults with special needs is what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? Even if that's, you have to monitor them for a little while to understand, maybe they're nonverbal. And so seeing what they're interested in, seeing what lights them up, right? There was a show, um, there was a show that I watched, I watched the entire series uh, years after the fact, but still, and it was called Scorpion and it's based on a true story. And it was uh, Walter, I can't remember his last name, but Walter is a genius, uh, 197 IQ. And he was it 197. Yeah. And he found he went to a a restaurant, he was doing Wi Fi. And he saw this young boy sitting at a table who was nonverbal at that point. And his mom's like, he's special. He, you know, we're, we're dealing with it. And he looked over and he said, he's playing chess and beats a grandmaster. Right. And so it's looking, even when they're nonverbal, even if is finding what they enjoy, what they're good at and setting them up with those things. Right. We all have unique strengths and abilities and it's finding that strength and ability and saying, Hey. What can you do with this? How can I help you facilitate something that you love and you enjoy that, you know, maybe will work with your skill set, even if you have a disability or, or special needs, maybe it's something, you know, mom can set up where they get a job doing electronics. As long as they don't have to talk to anybody, they just do the work,
0: right? Oh, I know, I love that because I think a lot of times at school and in life, we focus on what we can't do instead of what we can do. And so, yeah, I've learned that over the years as well is focus on our strengths, find your strengths and nurture that, and not focus on, you know, if you can't, you know, read or have reading comprehension issues, okay, well, then you can do other things that, you know, set you apart. And, and like you said, focus on those, you know, for the future.
1: Yep. And even if you're nonverbal, there are other ways that they may be able to be, you know, maybe not speaking, but writing or, you know, some way of communication, whether it's sign language, writing, um, you know, a twitch, <laughs> even. And and I giggle at that, but it's true, right? It could be absolutely any way that they try to communicate with you, right? A touch on the shoulder. Uh, you know, whatever that looks like.
0: Yeah, everything they do, whether it seems like it doesn't make sense, if it's noise, if it seems like behaviors, everything is a form of communication for them. That's how they're trying to communicate to the world to you. Yeah, um, and sometimes it's hard to see that, especially when it's really loud and, you know, going on for hours. But yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's what it comes down to is really just understanding that we're all unique. And we all have our own different needs and, and communicating them in whatever way that looks like healthy communication, making sure that you're advocating for each other. um, Not just like, if you have like, again, recap, Um, advocating for couples, advocating for siblings, advocating for family members and parents and the individual with special needs themselves, advocating for families to create a happier, healthier, cohesive unit rather than individuals trying to struggle through the same situation.
0: Right. So whether you're divorced or not, or you're the child or you're the parent, know that you're enough. And so what you have and what you can offer the world is, 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 is great. And so like we said, focus on your strengths and build those and work on those. I think we need to instill those values in our kids as well for them to know that, that yeah, you know, they may be a little bit different. They may do things in a different way, but yeah, they're just as good as anybody else
1: exactly and when you combine everybody's strengths that's when the magic happens
0: sure. all right well is there anything else you'd like to add before we get going that's it so if if anybody wants to reach out to me I don't know if you want to share that information or not that information is
1: um, is in the description of this episode so feel free to connect to Marianne or myself um, yeah we're our links or and info are in the description
0: Okay, well, here, yeah, I was, I'm so happy that, that I was on your show, it was a pleasure to, to be here and, and have this great discussion, and yeah, so the past few years, I've been working on myself, working on my kids, and we're a much better place now, we're happy, we've got a bright future ahead of us, and so I wish that for everybody, whether married or not, um, you know, you've got your kids, they're special, and, and, you know, you're there for them, and they're there for you, and so, yeah, I wish everybody the best in their journey.
1: Absolutely, I second that um thank you for joining me I really appreciated this episode and I think that it, this needed to be talked about is the pressures and the just the overwhelm and everybody's different perspective when you're in a family with somebody who has special needs
0: yeah it does get overwhelming but there's ways to get through it so yeah it shows like this so I appreciate all your time absolutely
1: all right just a family well that is the conclusion of our episode Our episode today has been sponsored by Phoenix Identity with their three-month Life Crisis Package. Go check that out. Um, If you want to reconnect to yourself and feel in control of your life again, go and look at that. Uh, Use coupon code 911 to get 25% off of the purchase price of that package. And yeah, reach out to either myself or Mary Ann. Uh, links in the description. Mary Ann helps people who are going through special needs divorce, um, transitioning as a family for that reason. Go check her out. If you want to be a guest on the show, or if you want to be a topic featured on the show, if you want to, if you want me to give you something to talk about that you are desperate to talk about, absolutely reach out to Just Live TV. You can find us absolutely everywhere across most social media platforms, or on the website, JustAliveTV.com, where you can find our 125 episodes. So go and check that out. Um, I'm Melissa Kutchler. I'm your host. And have a wonderful afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when and where you're watching. Lots of love. Bye.